welcome to a new episode of the Full Mount Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're featuring a Q&A from the 59th New York Film Festival with director Kira Russo on his current selection, El Gran Movimento, moderated by NYFF program advisor Violetta Bava. Expanding on the hybrid narratives of his remarkable 2016 film, Dark Skull, Kira Russo has mounted a monumental, gently mystical portrait of the contemporary central South American cityscape and those who work within its bowels and environs. Set in the alternately harsh and beautiful terrain of La Paz, Bolivia, and its surrounding rural areas, El Gran Movimiento follows a young miner as he looks for work alongside his friends, even as he begins to descend into a mysterious sickness. With its marvelous long lens zoom work and increasingly dynamic rhythmic editing, Russo's film is a hypnotic journey into a psychological space that touches upon the supernatural. El Gran Movimento opens this Friday in our theaters. For showtimes and tickets, go to filmlink.org slash movimiento. Hello, welcome to New York Film Festival. My name is Violeta Bava. I'm program advisor of the festival. And I'm thrilled to welcome Kiro Russo, writer and director of El Gran Movimiento. Thank you, Kiro, and thank you all for joining us for the Q&A of the film. Before we start, I would like to congratulate you, Kiro, for the special jury award received in Venice Horizonte competition and for the recognition you have also received in Rome very recently. It's been a while since Bolivia has been present uh, this way in the festival scene. And we are very, very happy you have shared the film with us and that such a political and cinematic piece can be part of Currents this year. Kiro, in your first uh, feature film, uh, Dark Skull, which premiered in Locarno in 2017 and which was part of Art of the Real, you show us uh, the working class and the human conditions inside the mind. And in El Gran Movimiento, here you present some characters, Elder and others, uh, that we have seen in your previous film. Uh, they are in La Paz now, capital of Bolivia. And from the very beginning, we see them in a demonstration fighting for their working conditions after having walked seven days. The working class and its problems, the working and human condition, and how this affects uh, their bodies seem to be a central element in your cinematography. Can you tell us about it, please? Hello. Uh, well, first of all, I want to take it to you, Violeta. Thank, thank you very much to the New York Film Festival. I want to thank the selection committee, to Dennis. And I'm really, really happy to, to, to share with you this new film that I made, El Gran Movimiento. Uh, it was a very long, long journey, very tough film to do. And that's great. Sad that I'm not there with you physically, but I'm happy that the film's you're gonna, or you already saw it. Um, well, in fact, what happened to my work, it's that in the beginning when I started, because now I went to the Wanuni Teen Mines in 2009, and obviously I was not thinking very much about that I was going to be working there so long, no? But the things like started to catch me a lot there because I really, really had a very big, bond a friendship a very huge friendship with many many miners and people from the mines and for me it was something that was it's dropping me still still today now i'm writing a new a new project and it's related also to the mines again i think i think maybe it's going to be the last <laughs> work that i'm going to do there but 
it's something that happened that, um, you know, the labor conditions that I saw were so, so, so strong. And when, when I did the, my first short film there, uh, I, I was really affected by the fact of getting inside the mind and understanding this environments and the, and the roughness of the work. It's too much. It's, it's something that you don't, you really don't understand when you're not there, you know? And uh, for me, that was very, very heavy stuff. That's what I made like uh, my first feature, Dark School. And uh, to my second feature at the beginning, I thought that I was not going to do it. You know, I, I was writing a very much more, um, let's say fictional, more genre film that had some elements that still on film, but uh, in a moment, everything changed so much because what happened is that in 2018, I started the process of writing in 2016, but in 2018, um, suddenly one day I was around the center of La Paz, my city, and I suddenly saw the guys, Julio Cesar, Israel, and some others that I met that they didn't tell me that they were going to come walking to the city, you know, and I saw them. There were a lot of guys there, like, I don't know, 400 men's and women's, <clears throat> the, the guys with the, with the, their wives, and uh, I saw them there, very, very tired, sleeping on the street. And it was strong for me to, to, to look at, uh, I mean, to, 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 this encounter was very strong. And I decided to shoot the scenes. Some of them are now in the film, uh, but I didn't know at the time that what, what, what was going to happen with that. You know? But for me, it was very important to portray that situation specifically. And in the end, from that point, the movie started to change so much until it went to be the story of the illness of Elder. And the illness came because uh, at the same year, like uh, some months after, one another friend, a very close friend from, from, my, from the mines, but he actually is a miner because the point is that this group of guys, they are not miners. No? These are sons of, um, of miners that they are not allowed to work anymore and they don't have any opportunity. And for me, that's very tough to, to see and understand no? because they, are, they come from generations of miners and suddenly they don't have the opportunity and they get, they get very lost. You know? And the other situation that happened is that this other friend that I have, he, he used to be a driller, which is like the most dangerous but well-paid um, job in the mine. And uh, at around 39, 40, he was retired because he is ill um, of a very bad illness that they, <clears throat> the miners have that's called silicosis. And he was very affected no? because uh, suddenly after this roughness of his life, uh, he was like sitting in his house and I don't know, all these elements in, ended driving me through this, this plot, this story. No? And uh, now that you mentioned uh, the plot, uh, I have two different questions. One has to do with the, the illness and the different uh, um, words that come together. Uh, on one hand, we have the traditional medicine, um, the approach and, and that he goes and have uh, to a doctor, which uh, inform us about we don't believe in, in those things anymore. Like we don't believe in certain things that I'm, I'm curious. So it's close that those beliefs seem to be very close. And on the other hand, you present Max, a, a very interesting character, a healer that comes with uh, another system of, of beliefs, not only about uh, the illness, but about many other things. 
and and in Bolivia and in La Paz seem to coexist uh, uh, these uh, different words. Uh, can you tell us about this and if the idea in the movie was to put together or to question this? Well, the first idea that I had for this movie was related to Max. I know him since 2004. And um, he's a very strange character. In fact, he's like a kind of hermit that wants to be outside of the system. He lives like uh, around the city. He knows very well the city. And and he's a very like, um, he also thinks that he's a wizard, in fact. And, um, and this is the relation that I developed with him since so long years. One of the things that I used to do is to go around the city, you know, and he was like, Revealing, revealing me some spaces, some new places. Like he had this idea of knowing the space beyond the others uh, from a different perspective, you can say. And for me, that was very amazing. And at that time, as I, I read, I mean, like many years after, but when I decided to do the film, I uh, was reading uh, some tales from Alan Poe, and I read this Men of the Crowd story. That for me reminded very much to Max, no. But the story of the men of the crowd—it's uh, the opposite, no. This bourgeois guy—it's staring at this bump around the streets, and he's seeking around the guy and looking at the people and making, in a way, like what he did. It's a fresco of the modern times at that moment. No? And at the beginning, I wanted to do something like that. For me, that was amazing. And when the other element appeared for me was the moment when I realized that this confrontation was important for the film about, we can say, modern times and ancient times and a very precise way to portray a country like Bolivia, that it's really a very complex country where many times, we can say, are coexistent together until today. Even ancient times from indigenous, some places in Bolivia are completely disconnected from this westernized world and uh, we at the same time now have internet we have so many I don't know uh, screens we have many things and the people is like in this living and coexisting in all this complex mix you know and for me it was a good good idea to 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 try to make also this fresco of this sense in Bolivia with this element oh. actually now that you mentioned the this idea of the fresco and the elements it's uh, impossible not to think as La Paz as another main character. And uh, I'm very curious about this idea of uh, portraying the spaces, the details, the cables, the um, posters, the walls, and the, 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 the geography, the, how we climb there and, and the, the effort in the bodies. And uh, I wanted to hear from you, Kiro, uh, about the, your idea of uh, presenting La Paz this way in cinema, and also the texture, uh, shooting in six, super 16 millimeters, um, if that was uh, the idea from the very beginning, and, uh, and how, how did you do it? Well, um, I really wanted to have a kind of dialogue and talk about, in a way, about modern times, I mean, the modernity, we could say. And... Uh, one of the biggest representations of modern modernity were the symphonies of the city, you know? And for me, it was very coherent to try to do this. At the same time, I've been thinking these years a lot about cinema as a document, you know? I mean, the problem is that I think the, 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 the relation 
for cinema, for, for the most major people, the audience is that cinema is just entertainment, no? But I really wanted to really focus in some traces of time through the city, through the walls, through the some corners of the space, specific things that are really, I don't know, I was always curious about this kind of stuff in my city, like for example, the cables, like there are a mass of crazy cables going around everywhere. Things that for me show you this kind of traces of time. But at the same time, I think that for me it was very querent to do some kind of symphony of the city, but made from Bolivia 100 years after actually the, the, the symphonies of the, of the city were, you know, famous, we can say, to also try to make a kind of critic, we can say, to the system. That is the capitalist system that is, you know, around the cities and sustaining everything. And for me, it was very interesting. And that was something that was decided from the beginning. That is this, you have this film that is like focusing in the city and then you go inside and suddenly you go inside a character and you follow him. And suddenly the, the film also decides to let him out and goes back to the city again. I mean, this kind of movement for me was very interesting to, to explore in this film. And um, yeah, I think this could be a kind of critique to the system from Bolivia and, and the 60 millimeters fits for me so much to this idea also too, no? Aesthetically, we can say plastically. And also as a filmmaker, for me, it was very important to, 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 to build a film in super 16 millimeters in this time, also as a pedagogical thing for me, no? I mean, I think that when you shoot in 16 millimeters, you absolutely uh, change your perception of what's uh, sh the shooting, the precise mo moment when you are capturing some stuff, you know? And, and this idea of capturing time, of building with time some kind of huge movement, we can say that was the idea or, or the formal idea for this film. And talking about times that coexist in the film, um, we also have a certain moments of joy for the characters uh, with musical and um, choreographical scenes, which are really great and also are bringing some fantastic element, especially in, in the choreography in the market. And uh, I wanted to hear uh, from you about this, but also because it has a certain 80s uh, pop uh, uh, atmosphere. And I, I'm curious if, if that was a reference and how did you build up and, and how did you come with this idea? Well, talking about coexistence, thinking about how it is in my country, it was impossible not to think about the same coexistence of the image, of the image and sound and the, you know, videos that go around everywhere and the material and uh, that we are carrying on in our cell phones, we can say, you know, I mean, it, we are actually in this moment where this massive, I mean, uh, you know, this, this, this uh, presence of videos everywhere, it's like a kind of, I don't know, everything is flooded with, with, with videos, with things that are moving. I don't know, it's a kind of crazy madness that now surrounds us with, with, with this. And it's putting also this in question, what really cinema is for me, no? I mean, uh, what's gonna be the future of cinema or not? I think it's very related also with what's happening in the cameras that we're having in our pockets. No, that's something 
that it is like this. And in uh, this idea of this coexistence for me was not impossible not to think about a very kind of, let's say, modern and postmodern kind of aesthetics that had to include also these videos, you know, like video clips, maybe even propaganda, sometimes documentary. And for me, it was like a kind of huge challenge to really say, okay, how are we going to sustain this different styles in one piece? You know, that I think that was one of the top, toughest stuff from, from this film. Uh, but I'm happy with, with the results because I think we, we really managed to do it. And at the same time, the other thing and the element of the dancing scenes, for example, all the 80s music is because basically in my country, the people love this music so much, exactly like you see. I mean, <laughs> maybe it's not, I mean, sounds unbelievable, but the truth is that this is like this. And uh, in fact, now I'm making some investigations because, you know, what happened in my country is that after Evo Morales, many, many people that were like, indigenous or creole we can say became very rich became very rich and they really built their way of westernization is good what i'm saying like they built their own ways to you know be rich and have this ostent ostentations and one of the things that is very traditional in my country is called um preste this is like a colonial kind of thing that stayed forever in my country that is like once in a time, I mean, in your life or two or whatever, you can be like a kind of king. And to be this, you are going to organize a five-day, four-day party, spending thousands of dollars, inviting to everybody, and you're going to be the king with your family, whatever. And now it's very, very you know, common for this kind of parties to hire this old 80s music band. In fact, <laughs> I was investigating it. Uh, for example, Mother Talking, that maybe you know, have been for now four times in El Alto, in La Paz, by now. And there is Fancy, this other guy, and maybe you know, Lady, Lady of Ice is his biggest hit. And also he has been there three times. And you can check this information on YouTube. And it's insane. It's insane because, I mean, there are many indigenous dancing, this music, loving this 80s waves which is very curious too no it is indeed yeah it's very curious and and, and the the scenes uh, give a, a lot of uh, a, a breathe and a lot of light in the film in terms of uh, there's another world that is also possible or the fantasy or the access to these uh, musical elements and and, and I, you mentioned the word documentary right now when you were talking and uh, this is something very present in your work uh, and i was wondering how close and how it's uh, the idea for you how um, the how much do you document from the life of the characters and i wanted also to hear a bit about the female characters um, Mama Pancha, it's an adorable character and she brings uh, other elements as well. Uh, so I wanted to know how much you work in, in, in between this line of how do you think about it, actually, between this tension of documentary and fiction. Well, for me, it's very complicated now to talk about what really is or not documentary. I think the cinema in general, we're in this moment because, first of all, we can say that everything is built up. You know, like the whole film, it's fiction, but 
I reached some things that I wanted, which are this presence of these people that are my friends, because I had the obsession to say, I want to show some behaviors, we can say, or jokes or ways of being, of moments that are very precise of the everyday lives that they are real, for example. Max, it's really, really, really has a huge bond with Mama Pancha in real life. And they always go to this specific corner and she's selling in the market and he's appearing and they have a long chatting conversations about many stuff. And this precise moment with they, I mean, he takes the flowers to, the, to Mama Pancha. It's something that's not documentary because we were there with a huge crew. But I owe, and in, in, in the most measure of the scenes, I were really expecting the precise moment to shoot. You know, that was a bit, in a way, the, the, the job of doing a film like this in 16 millimeters, you know, because I can imagine that in digital, I could put the camera like, I don't know, one hour there, and then in the editing, like really choose the precise moment. But in this case, it was different. It was like everybody was really silent, like still expecting this signs ne never saying action like really i was hearing also the the, the the dialogues between them and there was the precise moment of catching it that's why i think and i say it's like more like a documentary kind of methodology to build a fiction you know because in the end everything is fake i mean it's not that uh, elder have been sick or or max is not like uh, like you see him in the in the film it's different in the real life. I mean, I wanted to do that. I never want to put his, the, the, the lives of, of, of my friends there. They have some, I mean, there are some references, but it's not about their lives, you know, that's a, it's a fiction. And I think that's uh, interesting to, to think, you know, and that's the point of, uh, of, of, of questioning what's documentary and what's not. Nowadays, I think that documentary more more and more is more a genre, you know, like a kind of very structured genre that pretends to be documentary in the form that it's built in a way. That, that for me, more documentary, this genre, never obviously it's gonna be the truth or something. But what I yes believe and what I look for is about these traces of time because it's not going to be the reality, never, but there are some things of their presence or of these uh, things around the city that actually are like this, you know? And it's like this mixing, mixes of the presence and the buildup of the framing and time and decisions of the cutting and all the construction that you're doing when you're uh, building a film. Yes, um, it, it is clear that it, it comes that way. And, and Kiro, you mentioned uh, this uh, people that they turn to be characters in the film that you mentioned they are my friends and uh, some of them were there in your previous film and I was wondering if this uh, an, a cast uh, casting process uh, how, how do you find these people how do you work with them how was then the you mentioned a bit about the direction like waiting but uh, maybe it's interesting to hear about the the process uh, of you as a director with the actors well, uh, first, I want to answer the, the other question that you told me that I forgot that is about the woman's. Well, I really wanted to, to, to portray the behavior and the presence of these women in the market that is so, so important in, soci in the society of my country. And the, 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 the women's, las cholitas, are very strong women that, are, in a way, are very, 
I I think Bolivia it's very matriarchal. I don't know I don't know how to say this English matriarchal kind of society with a lot of male chauvinism, but in a way always the woman and in the Latin America in general it's like behind everything sustaining so much everything, and it's crazy because they are sustaining the market and they are like managing the system of the market. And I, I wanted to work in this market because it's like a a central huge market in my city that I always went there even when I was a, when I was a kid and for me it was very you know curious to see all the movement all the exchanges and all the different kind, kinds of people from social classes and also from different variety of indigenous communities and stuff being there, there and exchanging you know, exchanging and meeting for me that was important and also this idea of mama pancha it was very important for me it's still being also from my first picture that was another old woman too because in bolivia we have all a lot of the idea of the grand uh, and the godfather and the i don't know how to say madrina but the, oh, godmother this is uh ah, godmother yeah the idea of the godmother, it's a so important character for people that like, you always you have your godmother and she's gonna give you some advices, some some things, and uh, that's why I and 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 now Pancha, she is so 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 tender and nice. Uh, it was really nice to work with she. And about casting, well, for me it's a very curious thing, like um the, sharing the film now a days, someone told me, like, oh now you're doing a social work no like well <laughs> i never thought about that but uh what i'm doing is uh building films with friends that i really love very much that they became my friends like so many years ago it, and it's very tough because for example i wanted to build and appoint a film for max and he was very happy with the idea and we were happy with that but then after the i mean after i developed the idea conceptually when we started to work, uh, Max really was, wasn't able to be in a film at all. Like he was, for him to be in a shooting was a nightmare, you know, it was a completely insane nightmare because he was living outside the system, like, I don't know, 25 years. And suddenly we were shooting and he was like, I don't want to do this, man. I don't want to do this. But it was very tough because we built and I built everything around him. And suddenly I discovered that he was not going to do it. And suddenly he was saying like, I hate this, but I know we have to continue. I mean, it was completely complicated in that fact. And at the same time, um, I started to realize that I had to change the story. That was the second change that I made because this film has been shooted in two parts. And it was the first part. And the first script was more like Max, the center of the story, telling uh, and surrounded by many stories. You know? And one of the stories, was this Ill, illness story with Elder. I mean, it was the, already there, but was not like so protagonist, no? And because of this situation, I really had to change everything and reformulate everything. And I'm telling you this because how I was like compromised uh, to him and to the idea of making films with him because he wanted, but he didn't, he wasn't able to do this. And even as his behavior too, no? Because one of the reasons, that I really wanted to, to, to work with him is because how he really is in the real life. In the real life, he's like a kind of uh, Charlotte of the real life, we can say, like a Chaplin, 
it's amazing how he is. But that was not possible to be filmed, I realized after. And that was very, very crazy, you know? And the same thing happened to me with many of the characters in the movie. Always when I make films, the people that knows me and love to be part of the shooting know that it's going to be a kind of, um, I don't know, crazy adventure, like going, going back to the childhood in a way. It's weird because we went to live at my, to my house. I have a very, very big house, a very old house that was for my grandmother. And um, we're suddenly where we're living with the miners. Um, Max stayed one year in my house living there. And something happened in this kind of exchange. And uh, that's something that I really love about cinema too. You know? For me, I'm doing films to also have these experiences that for me and the crew are really actually amazingly important. You know? And that's how I basically built the, 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 the I mean, the, 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 not the characters, but the people who's going to be there. Like it's something more organic that hasn't nothing to do with the casting that we are casting the people or stuff. It's more complicated than that, but it's because what I'm looking inside of the shooting and, uh, and related to these uh, encounters. You know. And uh, Kiro, I wanted to ask you about the sound work because you managed to put us in La Paz. We seem to be there. We are there and mostly this has to do with the sounds. Also when we are in the rural space uh, next to La Paz. So uh, I wanted to hear how did you conceive, how was your idea of uh, constructing this sound as part of this very immersive experience, the film actually? Well, uh, my first work in cinema was the sound design. No? I was working and I studied in Buenos Aires and uh, I made, uh, I mean, I've been working like for some years in sound design uh, for the university and after I made some designs for some movies. I mean, and I I also come from musical backgrounds. I mean, I wanted to also to be a musician. I studied a lot of years in the conservatory, but I never did that because I considered that I was not good. But uh, I really, I mean, care so much about the sound because basically the sound is 50% of what you're seeing. You know? I mean, it's totally like this. And uh, at the same time, it was a symphony of the city. And obviously for a symphony, we have to work with the sounds of the city. What I wanted to do in the design, it's first to build a kind of chaos, chaos that it's going to be uh, from the sounds of the city, of my city, that in a moment are going to suddenly transform into music and then into, and, and into the sounds of the city again. And there is a lot of this kind of moments in the film. And uh, I worked uh, I, I work with uh, the music from the film with Miel Yanke, that is a very nice uh, and great uh, Bolivian composer that really catch me at the idea of, because I had this sound. And the other part of the sound is that I work with Mercedes and some other guys from Argentina that we have been working for a long time. And that's another good thing because when you know the people, I mean, I have a big team, in fact, I have a big team, <laughs> I think maybe bigger team in sound than in photography, maybe, I don't know, <laughs> because uh, for me, it's so important to do this that takes a long time, you know? it takes a really long time. The same was in my first feature. And in my first feature, I had that worst stuff scenario because uh, 
I really went to the shooting with a guy that didn't know how to record and everything was really bad. And we had to reconstruct the whole sound from zero. No? In, this, in, this, in this case, it was not like this, but I really used a lot of surround, for example. No? And this is supposedly breaking the rules so much because for the sound designers, this is not allowed, supposedly. You know? And I had a lot of arguments with some people because they were saying, no, this is going to destroy the film or not. But for me, it's perfect how it works because it was part of the idea. No? And uh, Kiro, I, I'm very curious about the ending when all the, the whole film, uh, the whole images uh, come together uh, and seem to be like everything was inside uh, uh, Elder and uh, it's, it's uh, very powerful. It uh, has many connotations and possible interpretations, but actually I wanted to hear from you about this moment where when the character seems to be almost uh, passing away and he returns and and actually there are many questions about this this possible return to life how is it for you and what about the that editing of images well this part is one of the things that I really wanted to do from the beginning, I already made some kind of scenes like this in my other films, but not so, I mean, not so extreme like this, no? I mean, I always wanted to make something like, I don't know, Vertov or, well, let's say, Abel Gantz or Rudman, and the, also related to the process of markets, no? I think it's very precise, and I, I thought that this film, in the end, thinking the other day is very symbolic. It's like a huge symbol, I think, what, what it's built in the end, because it's like this worker, it's sick and he's carrying carrying inside him the whole system we can say, but also his life, you know, and all the images of his life. And you can say, this is a kind of, um, maybe kind of Alep, that everything is inside this 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 vision and that, that, that maybe Max is having or something like that. And, you can tell that first is the mine, then is the machines, then is the mineral, and after the mineral you have the money and the, and the exchange and the market and the people of the city. I mean, it's a kind of chaos. But yes, this was something that was really, really prepared from the beginning. And uh, at the same time, I don't know, taking him back. And after we had another chat with you <laughs> for, for Venice, and I saw that. Yes, this ending is very, very strong in a way that uh, it's true. It's better to be alive or not in a situation like this. No, I mean, where where you don't have opportunities. And uh, I think I, I've been thinking all this time about to build a film that is not like uh, giving you, you know, uh, too much uh, good stuff about the happiness or joy in life or why to do a film about uh, the working class that is suffering but uh, I really really understood that it's very important to do this because uh, actually the people is forgetting about this I mean the people is wanting to just to have films as entertainment to forget their lives and the things that are going on around and uh, for me that's negative that's negative because uh, films should bring you some truths through cinema and the truth, for example, now here and here where I am now, or in La Paz, or in New York, wherever, 
the workers are sustaining the system and that's how it is I and mean, it's not a, a kind of theory of something like that they are actually doing it and when i'm when i'm talking about workers i'm talking even about us you know we are workers too but there are two types of workers our workers like you are not i mean we're more like a cerebral workers but they are these workers that they are sacrificing their bodies with work and this thing is something that needs to be you know um how can you say uh they need to be tributes to these people you know like we have to be uh, conscious about it and thank them because uh, we are living this kind of world that we are now because of them <laughs> it's precisely like this even the people in the kitchens even the people is there i don't know killing the trash in the streets it's all about the system and all about who are the guys and women that are sustaining it in the end for me that's the lady of the film no? Yes, it is, and it is uh, really bringing that truth, as you mentioned it, uh, and this uh, strong critique uh, to this uh, capitalist system as it is now. And we really want to thank you for the film, because you managed to put it also, as I said before, in uh, high cinematic terms. And congratulations again, Kido, and thanks for sharing the film with us, and thanks for being here at New York Film Festival next time we hope in person and uh, congratulations and thank you very very much again thank you very much uh, Violeta and thank you to all of you that are stayed I don't know if you're still there or not but <laughs> thank you thank you thank you so much to the New York Film Festival and yes actually I hope to be there someday take care thank you